Sunday edition. I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Sundays by Mr. Jason Clyde. Jason, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm probably a little less relieved than you are. I got my taxes done today, <laughs> That's and, and that was a major effort in and of itself given the move, mm-hmm. having to pay state tax for the first time, all that kind of stuff. But uh, I did come out in the black, which is good, but I did not finish a 150,000 word starting picture guide like you did. No, uh, that, that's that's true. Uh, Doug and I, Doug Thorburn, our, our former colleague uh, who still works at Baseball Prospectus, we finished our 2015 starting pitching guide. It is 412 pages, 154,000 and some odd words. You can go to the spguide.com if you're interested. And, uh, you know, if I may be so brazen, I should say that you should be interested. I, th- I think we put out a very good product. I'm very proud of what we've done this year. And uh, when you get a chance to look through it, let me know what you think, Jason. Well, here's the thing. With, I mean, next to the six ninety five that you would spend for Fangraphs Plus, uh, that's the best thirty dollars you'll spend. Especially when Doug is calling Drew Smiley a drunken flamingo when describing his pitching uh, pitching delivery. So, <laughs> and that's the the best way to describe that. Yeah. Uh, so definitely. I mean, I, th- I think you've uh, been reading this what three years now. This is the third version. Uh. Well. Uh, uh, I. Th- it's hard to say because obviously, remember when I used to, I, I count what I used to do on Roto Junkie. Yeah, and that should count. I, I, so that so, should go like so, seven years, right? Yeah, I was going to say. So then we started started in 2008, and that was just by myself when I would do like a, a, the 100 guy write, write up on the, on the message board there. So in terms of it being a PDF, I think it's about the fifth year. Um, and then only the third year of it, I think, being for sale. It was kind of a donation thing for, for those first few years. Cool. You know, people that should buy this guide are people that are on Twitter hitting us all up at the same time about yes. same questions. Folks, I'm going to I have to say this because it, it's, it's starting early. If you're going to tweet me the same question, you're going to tweet nine other people. I'm going to assume one of those other people is going to answer it. Exactly. I mean, if, you, if you want my opinion. Let me give my opinion. But one of the things I do, if it looks impersonal, is I see who else you've tweeted. And when I see the exact same tweet 8, 10, 12 times to all these other baseball writers, I am not going to answer it. I'm not trying to be on a high horse here, but that is just one of my pet peeves on Twitter. No, if your account if your account exists to just for me to run your baseball team, then feel free to send me a check at the end of the year. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if it's a little bit of back and forth here. You tweet at me, tweet at Paul, that's one thing. If you're going to tweet just Paul and I, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to tweet at Paul and I about questions about guys that we've talked about in the last show, yeah, how much we like, yeah, not going to answer it. No, and, and again, I, I'm with you. No, we're not trying to get on a high horse or anything like that. It's it's just so uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm happy to answer questions, take out time, and 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 give a good answer on them. But I don't. I want to feel like you asked me because you value it, not because if you get eight opinions. What's what good is that going to do anyway? And that's not to slam any of any of our, our colleagues here, 
But I if, mean, if you if you ask ten people, you get a five. I hope you get a five five split. That, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> I really do. So you exactly. have to make up your own mind. So you have to make up your own mind. Uh, that I guess that's really my my larger point on that. I, there was one more I was gonna. Oh, the other one is don't tweet at me. I, you know I can't answer you during the workday. I do have a real job. I, I can't do anything. So if you do tweet at me at like nine o'clock on a Monday, I don't get back to you till late at night. Understand, I do have a a, a larger job that does not allow me to answer tweets all throughout the day. Very good. And I can't answer them during the day. So if I'm ignoring it, it's just because I hate you. And you That's because you're that. sleeping. Right? No. you got about a five-day sleep, and then I, I'm sure your girlfriend wants to do something since yes. I don't think you guys have done anything in three months. You know, we've got we've got the hibernation coming up, and, and I was actually about to tweet out uh, earlier today that I no longer have an excuse not to hang out with people. Now I have to say yes, you know. <laughs> Sister wants to go to lunch. I can't be like, ah, you know, I'm just really backed up. I have to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go. So um, I'm, I'm very happy that it's out. I think that it's a, a great product. And again, the, S, the spguide.com, you can find it there. Got a whole new site. It's just, it's not special. It's a nice little Squarespace site, but uh, it's nice to have it there now. For those that have bought it in the past, know that I email it out and that can be a pain in the butt if you kind of want it right away or, you know, just whatever. It's a little bit of a pain on my end too, but now you can go download it and you'll be able to get it right away. Let's talk about some news, Jason, because we're starting to flow in fast and furious. And unfortunately, the, the one down thing about spring is that most of the news when it's coming out is bad. Uh, you're, you're rarely getting good news. It's mostly injury news, especially early before they start playing any games. At least when the games start going, you can hear about guys taking roles and things like that. First big news, Chris Sale breaks his foot. I don't think we have a firm timetable yet. But I think what you really have to do here is uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily move him out of that upper tier. I would move him down within it, though. I think it's, you know, you, you got that group of guys up at the top, Kershaw, Felix, but then Strasburg, Kluber, Scherzer, Sale, Grinke, Price, I'd say even Darvish, and probably maybe even Cueto. So those those seven after the top two, I think they can kind of go in any order. Well, I had, you know, a lot of folks had Sale up at three. I would say you have to move him down at that point. I already had him at six. I might bump him down a couple spots. Um, but I'm, it's still a guy that I'm not that worried about because I've heard that he might be fine in terms of maybe just missing opening day. So I'm not freaking out yet, but I have to move him down a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, he's still in the top ten, uh, but he he was a top three lock. And yeah. you know, even I had I got a peek at the uh, the CBS AL only auction results from the other day. He was the number one pitcher. He went thirty two dollars. That may have been some auction dynamics, but this was before we knew about the foot injury. So he went more than Felix in that regard. Hey, I was talking with uh, one of the listeners zero day on Facebook chat with this, and said, "Was Sale still in my top ten? But I'm going to drop him. He's pretty much going to be about nine. I think I." When you look at the top eight with Kershaw, uh, Felix, Sale, Scherzer, Bumgarner, Price, Strasburg, Kluber, I would take all seven of guys not named Sale ahead of him right now based on this injury because they're going to have – I figure Sale's probably going to miss two starts. Mm-hmm. So, I, th- you know, without projecting injury for anybody else there, I'll take all of those guys over him. So he's still a top eight guy for me, but this drops him down five spots. Yeah, still a beast, but uh, but but uh, keep monitoring it. Uh, other news, Alex Guerrero basically told the Dodgers they can shove it with the minor league assignment. 
he's not going to go. And for those that might not remember him because he did not make an impact really, except for what getting his ear bitten off. He was a, a Cuban import for the Dodgers that they believed would actually be, you know, somebody who could t- have the opening day job at second base last year. Obviously that didn't work out. And this, this guy's not young, 28, you know, he came over with big money, four years, 28 mil. Um, and he's, you know, listen, even if it's seven mil, you don't really want to be playing in the minor leagues. So I kind of get it. But uh, what, what do you think is going to happen here with him? I think he's gonna get traded. I mean, you try you look at the way that the way that team's gonna be. You're gonna have Howie Kendrick and you're gonna have Jimmy Rollins up the middle. Yeah. So where be. is he gonna play? Where's he gonna play at that rate? Yeah, this is the guy with with this kind of attitude. For people to understand, his contract says he has the first, he has the right of refusal to say no. I'm not going to the minor leagues, and the Dodgers can't just release him. If you think of you know when a guy gets designated for assignment, you know they, some guys if they have enough service time can say no, and they get granted free agency. They don't have to do that with him. They either have to put him on the team. They have to cut them and then pay the money, or they have to trade them. To me, I, I see them being traded. There's a couple teams that could use some uh, some middle infield depth. I'm thinking of my own Tampa Bay Rays up the middle um, in case Nick Franklin doesn't make it. But I, I don't see Guerrero donning the Dodger blue April April 6th, whatever the first day of the season is. Yeah, it'd be tough to see at this point. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, trade does feel more imminent than anything else because, like you said, those two guys that they've got up the middle, they, they play. That's, that's all they do. They play a lot and they build volume. Addison Reed is going to be out two to five weeks before, or excuse me, two to two and a half weeks. I had a point five in there. That's why I read it like that. Uh, two to two and a half weeks from throwing because of a shoulder. This is a bit nerve wracking. Um, anytime you got something going on with, with a shoulder, but also because I just got mouthy with Craig Mish on on Sirius XM, he was trashing my uh, my Addison Reed pick in a in a mock draft with the mock draft army for Howard Bender, and I was saying, you know, I got a good closer there. I, I really believe in this guy because I do. I think with health, I think the stuff is is a good enough to cut the home run rate and actually be a darn good closer because he's got the strikeouts. But obviously, this worries me. What's your read on it? Yeah, I, I liked Addison Reed in the past. I am concerned any time that I see shoulder, it does bother me. As we as we know, shoulders where the velocity engine is for pitchers. Bad shoulders, that's where the velocity shows up. Bad command, that's where the elbow stuff shows up. So shoulder concern, worried. And when you look at him, he's going off the board uh, for closers. He's around the twentieth closer when I was looking uh, looking at it earlier. Mm-hmm. But he's still going ahead of Jake McGee right now. And to me, injury-wise, they're pretty much on the same plate, except McGee has an el- uh, you know, elbow cleanup he's coming back from instead of Reed's shoulder. I'd much rather have McGee. In fact, I'm trying to make a trade in my home league, uh, trying to offer up uh, Lonnie Chisenhall for Jake McGee. They're both $1. I'd rather go with the, uh, to go with the reliever, even if he's going to miss two to three weeks coming out of the gate. But Reed's still, you know, right now he's still going kind of high, even with, the, uh, even with the recent news. Yeah, frankly, even as a, as a big read guy, even before this injury, I think I'd prefer McGee as well. So this definitely puts McGee ahead pretty firmly now. Uh, Garrett Richards, I finally got a, a bit of a timetable on him. You know, pre- getting pretty aggressive, thinking uh, some folks were thinking maybe, hey, maybe he's going to make it for opening day because things, you know, were looking good. A lot of good reports were coming out. MLB Network did a little uh, bio on him, showing it positively. But now we kind of learn it's going to be about two to three weeks, which is fine because it's still better than the original expectation, which was early May, going all the way back to the end of the season. So this is still ahead of schedule, but it's not going to quite be a full season. How are you feeling about Richards coming off of that patella tendon surgery? 
You, you would think that coming off last year when everybody was in such a rush to get Justin Verlander back for opening day that we would, you know, we would not want these right. guys to rush yeah. it back. But apparently we don't. And you know, we don't care about their health. We just want them on our fantasy team. So if they're there, if they're dressed on opening day, they're ready to go. <laughs> um, no, I'd rather him. I'd rather him take this time off. I'm, you know, if I can get 28 starts out of Richards and uh, good ones instead of 31 that include a couple of early stinkers, I want him to take his time getting back. But I don't think drafters do. He's going ahead of Michael Walker right now. Uh, he's going ahead of Anibal Sanchez right now. He's having his own issues. He's just behind Andrew Kashner. Uh, he's going a full round ahead of Phil Hughes. I take Phil Hughes all day long um, over Richards just because of, of the very high floor there and the good health. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, like I said, things things were getting aggressive. I've seen him moving up a lot of ranks, going much earlier in drafts. Again, now we get the, now we get this news. Can tone it down a little bit. I still like him. I like a guy not coming off of a, uh, of an arm injury. That definitely helps it a little bit but just slow down. And you make a great point about having the fewer starts. I mean, look what he did last year. That was only 26 starts. So you can have a high impact season in under 30 starts. Obviously you like the volume uh, of a, of a 30 plus start, but I'll take him for 26. If it means he's fully healthy. Uh, next up would be Mr. Will Myers, who it seems like we get a little tidbit about every week. I don't know. Maybe that's just uh, happenstance, but I feel like you and I specifically end up talking about Will Myers every week. Uh, now there's talk that he could hit leadoff, but Bud Black uh, suggested that he's he's potential, along with Solarte, Venable, Mabin, and, and Myers. Uh, he said, let's start there as the four candidates. What, what do you think about this uh, with regards to a fantasy standpoint for Myers? But I was gonna say, is this my weekly hate on Will Myers uh, uh, segment of the show? They just happen to be setting up that way perfectly for you because I didn't figure that you were gonna like this very much. Um, you know, with him, one of the things when you look at him, there's if he puts it all together because he doesn't really he doesn't expand his strike zone. When you look at his chase rate, it, it's still it's still uh, near the top 25% uh, of good rate. So he doesn't really chase chase pitches and. But the problem is there is some swing and miss in his game. So it's like when he's when he's having his, when Myers is having his issues, he's swinging and missing within the strike zone. And we've talked about the plan of attack with him. But he can work a count. It's just a matter. Of, but if pitchers can throw strikes, they can also get him out. The problem is. San Diego has no other option. It's probably going to be Myers by default because there is nothing else until he plays his way out of it. Just the way that lineup we've talked about, that's a softball team. It's going to be whoever shows up is going to be the guy hitting leadoff. I really don't know where to hit Myers. I don't like him hitting leadoff. I, I want to see him earn it. I don't want to give it to him. Yeah, I not my favorite move uh, for him. I'm torn because, like, I hear a lot of the, the stuff about him, and, it, and it's pretty much all negative, and I get it. That makes sense. But then it doesn't reflect as much in the drafts that I've been doing. He's going at, at what I would just consider a fair price or, or a decent price. I, I can't find the value because I, I feel like if the hate gets gets uh, goes too far, as, as Matthew Berry and Nate Rabbits used to say, if the hate goes too far, that's when I jump in. I don't think it's quite there yet in the draft pool. The noise you're hearing, the sounds, you know, all the talk, it, it, the hate is definitely out there. But until it shows up in the value, I'm sitting tight. I'm moving on from him. You, you know, I'd be honest. If he were still in Tampa Bay, I bet you people would there'd be more hate 
with him, but yeah. it's just like this change fresh of scenery. He's like, oh, fresh start. He's going to be good. And he's going to a worse park. It seems like everybody's all over. Oh, Myers change of scenery. It was a sophomore slump. He's going to blow up. There are there are serious flaws in this dude's game yeah. starting from the neck up. I, I Do I want him to succeed? Yeah. Am I still pissed at him for crapping away 2014? Yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a bummer. And uh, I, like I said, I, yeah, I hope he gets back on track too. I got to see it first though, or at least get a steep discount, which I'm not getting yet. Uh, we talked about this guy a little bit, so you could just make a quick comment on him. I think we actually deep dove when he became available. Diane Vicieto signs on with the Jays. This one didn't really surprise folks when Michael Saunders went down, even though Saunders got better news. I guess we'll blend these two bits together. Saunders looking like he's going to return in April now, as opposed to all-star break, but they still picked up Vicieto. He doesn't really fill the Saunders hole necessarily, uh, or, or at all, really, because he's a short side platoon guy, as we mentioned, and not even that really anymore. He's being he's Vicieto's running off the weight of what two years ago when he crushed lefties. So we discussed about him. I, I assume that you feel this is kind of a whatever move, but at least it's a dope park, right? Yeah, good good park for him. Bench depth for uh, there for Vicieto. Again, large sample size as he hits lefties last two years. You can see 2012, he did it. 2013 and 2014, pitchers figured out a new way to attack Vicieto when he has not adjusted. Now, it is the last two years, is that a growing trend for him? The sample size is only 270 uh, plate appearances. So we can't say yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a reason why this guy was out there so long. Agreed. And, you know, I think if, if Saunders didn't get hurt, Vicieto doesn't get signed. They no, need to I make agree. sure that he's okay, and it very well could be a case where Vicieto is the guy getting DFA'd when Saunders does come off the deal. Yep, it's basically going to be a fight between he and like Tolison or maybe Valencia, which of those two of those three can prove that they belong, um, and and that's how it's going to sort itself out. So he better rake right away, or else Vicieto, like you said, could be out of a job the second Saunders returns. Let's finish up the team previews. This is These are the last two clubs. It's in the NL Central. You know, and I covered the first three clubs. But you and I get to talk about Pittsburgh and St. Louis, two pretty good teams, especially from a fantasy standpoint. Got a lot of talent on here. Let's start with the hitters out in Pittsburgh. Who's your favorite one off the board right now at their current pricing? At the current pricing, I, I go with Kang. And when you look at he's cheap, he's, he's like the 19th or 20th shortstop off the board that where he's at right now. I guess everybody else, it's a good lineup. I mean, there's a lot of potential for some nice fantasy value here, except down at the bottom. I'm not uh, Jordy Mercer, Frankie Cervelli. I mean, that catcher duo is going to be terrible. Just ask any Yankee fan. Uh, you know, that's but defensively, it's going to be nice if you know, pitch framing fans, sure. Um, I, I would caution people not to get all uh, tied up in the Sean Rodriguez. Oh my God, he had 12 home runs. Now, what can he do? That's an that's a Diane Vicieto kind of thing. That's a guy who's living off his lefty mashing really, uh, reputation from a few years ago. Mm -hmm. He can cheat. Sean Rodriguez can still punish a mistake, but don't even try to extrapolate that playing time and say, oh, nope. if he can get more. And he is terrible against right-handed pitching. He is absolutely terrible. He's good. To, he can. He's probably going to qualify at four positions for uh, for Pittsburgh and for your fantasy team. But 12-team NL makes a 12-team NL material only, and there's no other way I can justify rostering this guy. No, I made the, I made the extrapolation mistakes before, back when he was just getting started with Tampa Bay, in fact. And they did it. They tried it. They gave him a 436 plate appearance season, which is a good enough sample. And he was slightly below league average because that's what he is, which is which is fine. He's, you know, you look back on the career, uh, if he keeps knocking around another five six years, that's fantastic from the standpoint of. 
his life. You know, that's a good achievement. It's not a superstar career, but it's pretty cool to be, you know, a 10-year major leaguer, even if you're never a high-impact one. But in fantasy, nah, nothing special. For me, I, I still like Pedro Alvarez. I'm ready to go back to the well here because the discount is there. I talk about it with Will Myers. You hear all the negative stuff or, or you just don't hear much positive about uh, Pedro Alvarez anymore, yet you look and the price is down too. 18th third baseman off the board, 210th pick. And I think he's fine with regards to what he does, which is no average and big power. The power was still there last year, uh, not quite as high, but I don't know that I fully expected him to keep a 26% homer to fly ball ratio. I know he'd done it two years in a row, 25 and 26. That's great, but that's kind of just – I don't necessarily believe that he can be that. But I'd take something in the teens to the low 20s. And he was at 16 last year, um, so he had 18 homers. I think Pedro Alvarez is going to be fine. Play first base. Even if he sits against lefties, I can still get 20-plus homers out of him pretty easily and as an 18th third baseman off the board i can get him as my corner infielder i'll take that all day who is the pitcher that you like on this club uh right now uh it's like it's like i want to go back to old reliable guys i'm always going to be a francisco Loriano fan because he's always i only draft him for strikeouts and it he works. gets that done and that's exactly what he gets done. So I, that's, I'll always go to him. You know, when you look at where his ADP is right now in the NFBC, he's 222. So he's, you know, you could pretty much have him late in drafts. And, you know, you draft him for strikeouts and you wait to see where everything else falls. I mean, he doesn't give up a lot of home runs. So the ERA the last two seasons with Pittsburgh has been stronger. Even last year in a bad year where he was walking dudes left and right, his whip was still 1-3. That's not terrible. It's not great, but it, he was a he was a two category pitcher last year. Mm-hmm. So let's you know let's see where it goes. But I'm always going to be a Francisco Liriano guy because of that changeup. I love Francisco Liriano, and I think I, I don't know. I'm sure I've told you before, but you basically turned me on to him. I associate him with you. You told me about him in a minor league for the minor leagues years ago, probably 2003, 2004. You mentioned him as as just kind of a flyer. I was in a I was in a league. And it was maybe one of the first leagues I'd done that really scraped for minor leaguers. And I was like, I'm in this AL only. Here's a list of like four names. You're like, Francisco Liriano, get that guy. Got him. Got all of his excellent work uh, with Minnesota. By, I, by the time that he hit the, hit the fan, 2009, he was already off my team. So it, it worked out fine because I don't, I don't extend pitchers anyway. That bounce back year was great, though. 2010, I think oh, I, yeah, that, I had multiple shares of him. Yeah, that would have been was amazing. Fun. That, would, that was fun. I, I didn't have him in that league, but yeah, I, I've been buying in. I've, I've gotten plenty of the other two, yeah, two other five plus ERA years. I got plenty of 2011, plenty of 2012, because I've been going back to the well too. And that's kind of the risk you take with some of these guys, but it's not like I got the full season of five ERA. So you, if you see it going bad early and it and, and it looks like it's going bad for a reason, like it's not, he's not going to come out of it, then you cut bait. But otherwise. What he's done the last two years with Pittsburgh, I, I think it's sustainable and, and believable. I told you my favorite Lariano story, right? No, I, I don't believe you have. So that year, the bounce back year, we're at Tout Wars, and I have a one, I have a pitching slot left, and Matthew Barry has a pitching slot left, and I threw out Jeff Neiman and started pushing and pushing him, and then I dropped out, and and Matthew bought him because I he was the one going up thinking, oh, it's a Ray, Jason wants him, and I was yeah. like, ha. Well, next guy I throw out is Liriano, who Matthew loves, has Uh-oh. always loved, and he was out of pitching spots. Uh-oh. So I get Liriano because I had the most money left at the table at the point. I think I got him for like six bucks. 
uh, and this, and then he was hounding me all night long up to like three o'clock in the morning. We were, we were all out at a nightclub at three o'clock and he's yelling in my ear so we could hear each other. What do you want for Liriano, man? Let's make a trade. I'm that like, is- no, here, have a shot. No, I'm not doing it. That's and so I never funny. did trade Liriano, but that's how I ended up with Liriano in that great year. And I finished uh, I think second or third place that season. That's where it pays to know your le- your league mates. You know, th- these little things, they're, they're little fringe things. Obviously, it's harder when it's an online league, but when it's when it's a live league where you know the people and you're playing with them year after year, you got to know about them. You know some of their favorites. Matthew obviously would put his favorites out for everybody, um, being being a guy who was doing a podcast for years, so it's easy to know his. But you can figure those out in, in some of your leagues, and then you can play that that gamesmanship. I like that. That's a really sharp move. Uh, my favorite pitcher on this club. I'm I'm actually kind of sticking with you with regards to the old reliable i think i think aj burnett's going to come back uh realize what he lost what he left when he when he crapped on the shift and and said he didn't want to be playing uh in that side of pennsylvania i don't know which side it is uh maybe the left side west. the right okay. he was playing he didn't want to play in the west so he went so, to the east so he went to the yeah he went to the east and and how'd that work out for you not so well you like those shifts now you come back and he still showed some decent enough skills last year. I mean, they weren't great. He still walked too, you know, he walked too many, but he's still missing a good number of bats. And I think getting back in a in a good situation, I think this is a guy who can be really impacted by what's going on around him. And if he's on a better team, I, th- I think he's got a, another hurrah here, and he costs nothing. So we're going with the old stalwarts on this club for sure. All right, have a lot a- of value there with, with both guys. I mean, both guys could be had. I mean, especially Burnett. He's just hanging around. Just yeah. go grab him whenever you want. Exactly. Just get, just get him. You barely have to pay. You know, even in 12 team mix, I say probably just stream him. Don't even worry about it, but just keep an eye on him because I think he's going to do some stuff. Uh, let's ask a few questions about this club to you. And you know, he's had one every year. Race here just had a reclamation project every year. Last year he had two Edinson Volquez and this other guy, Vance Worley. And I want to know how much of, of that 2014 you think is legitimate. Not necessarily with regards to a sub three ERA, but can he even be fantasy usable again this year? Uh, it, you know the strikeout rate is you know by design is not it's below league average. That's what it be. It's a seventeen percent starters are at nineteen percent, so he's below league average there. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't walk any. That's one of the things that Serge did. Doesn't walk. You know, basically here use your defense behind you, uh, and it and it's worked out well for him. So I could take him. You know. Uh, End game. I could take uh, Worley as an end game guy, but the striker, I don't see anything coming back. I don't want him to go back where he was with the Twins. You know, when he was trying to strike out everybody, couldn't really command his pitches, and his walk rate was high. Now his walk rate's been half from where it was two years ago, and his strikeout rate again is still below a little bit below league average. But this is definitely usable uh, in a in a ten or twelve team NL for Worley. Yeah, um, and speaking of, by the way, speaking of the reclamation projects, I agree with what you said about Worley. I think you know if you're not expecting the strikeout rate. Then yeah, at one dollar NL. But uh, did they go out and get another reclamation project this year, or do, or do they consider Burnett the the re-reclamation since they're bringing him back? Because they didn't sign any other crusty veterans to to rebuild this year, did they? No, not really. Not in the rotation. I mean, we, in the bullpen, they've got Holdscomb, but they had him a little. They had him last year, and that's a guy that's. Uh, oh, you know, I take that back. Uh, Liz, they grab uh, Radimus Liz. Okay, there you go. He's 32, so they are, I think, going to be 31, 32. So they could try to rebuild him into something. I think he was a pro- he was a decent prospect for a while, wasn't he? 
couldn't command anything. I mean, yeah. he was, you know, that was his big issue with, with uh, Baltimore, just couldn't command anything. The arm was there. Uh, you know, he's, he, this guy's, Liz has been pitching in Japan. That was an intriguing grab uh, to see. I'd like to see what Sears can do with him. The, guy, the guy's a wizard. I love the stuff that he does, and it helps me trust some of these guys that are normally very scary, like the two that we mentioned for our pitchers. Um, on the hitting side, we didn't talk about him because neither of us picked him as our as our hitter. Gregory Polanco, this was a guy who came up with a lot of fanfare, hit the ground running, but then backslid. And I, I'm curious as to what you think uh, with regards to can, – can he have that breakout then? Because – I think everyone's kind of jumped off. You know, the fantasy community is very fickle. They're going to build you up, build you up, and if you don't come up and immediately pay dividends, they're done with you. They spit you out, and that's what's kind of happening with Polanco. I'm kind of surprised that he's actually not going higher. How do you think he does this year? I think he's going kind of high based on even – I mean, 129 is NFBC draft value. He's going 30 picks before Brandon Moss, a guy you and I both love. Wow. And he's one, you know, he's uh, about that same 26 picks uh, ahead of Leotis Martin, who I think has a more achievable ceiling this year. I mean, Polanco long-term could be amazing. But – Right, I still feel he's being a little bit overdrafted. In fact, in my one of my local home leagues, I let him go. Uh, I can only keep three guys. When I looked at round keepers, I ended up keeping uh, Kipnis for a final year in round f- like fifteen versus keeping Polanco in round sixteen. Okay, I, yeah, I would, I would definitely. I'm not even a Kipnis guy, and I would have definitely done that. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess you're right that he's not necessarily going cheap. I actually just expected there to be a bit more. I actually expected him to be overrated, like big time. So I guess the fact that he's only maybe slightly overrated uh, surprised me. So it's it's a weird feeling because usually uh, you'd be you'd be fine with kind of if he wasn't super overrated. But yeah, you, you, the names you mentioned. Also, I'm looking at the NFBC: Marcelo Zuna, Shinsu Chu, Melky, Denard Spahn, um, several other guys. I would take a lot. So maybe maybe I am a little bit uh, misguided there with not thinking that he's going a little bit overpriced. He can have the huge season, but it takes time. I think he's a good lesson to folks when they're drafting all the, you know, when they're drafting the baby Cubs. It takes time, and um, that's why I, I, I don't love to get these guys, even though they're 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 the shiny new toy. I have a hard time investing in them. That's why I'm probably not going to have many Mookie Betts shares this year. You know. Agreed. All right, let's talk about the Cardinals and finish finish up the team previews here. Uh, they got some very intriguing pitchers. Who do you like on that club? Pitchers or hitters? Oh, hitters first. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I like Matt Adams. And my thing with Matt Adams, he's projected to hit cleanup in that lineup. And behind guys that get on base, behind Carpenter, behind Hayward, behind Holiday, that's where they, they have him slated right now at roster resource. That's good, but you look at because there's so much depth at first base. I mean, he's the 17th first baseman off the board at 158. I could make a case. He needs to be in the top. Right now, he's again 17. He, I think he's a top 12 guy, depending on how some of those other guys play out. But there's just so much depth at first base at one, you know, 158. I'd be willing to to make a grab at Adams to have fill in my utility if I'd already had first and 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 my corner spot filled. But I think there's some. There's some good value for a cleanup a cleanup hitter behind three guys that get on base to be outside of the top 150 just doesn't feel right to me. I can see that. I, I mean, I, I don't think he's ever going to hit lefties necessarily, though. So that, I do. Have no, I don't think he can that. either. But 
it doesn't make me shade shade off of Brandon Moss. And I know Brandon Moss hit hit lefties a bit better last year, but before that, he hadn't really done it. So it'd be it'd be weird for me to go go against Adams uh, for the same affliction. So yeah, Lucas Duda can't do it. He's going twenty two spots exactly. ahead of Adams. Exactly, and and he and he showed that you know you can hit you can hit the thirty homers. So okay, yeah, you're, you're kind of selling me on that because Adams is not a guy I've nor- normally been interested in, but I'm kind of I'm kind of being sold there. I'm gonna go for a guy who is not necessarily going at at a great value in terms of surplus, uh, you know, discount, but I do like him, and I'm 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 fine to actually pay kind of the premium, and that's Colton Wong. Um, mm-hmm. I think this guy could be a stud. You know, uh, what a difference a year makes. The, the final moment of his 2014. Was or excuse me, his 2013 was getting picked off at of first base to end a World Series game, and his final moments this year they weren't in the World Series, but they were him raking in the playoffs. I think you know he hit a couple bombs and 11.49 OPS, so you know the lasting image was pretty nice. Even if he only goes out and does what he did last year, a 12.20 season, 12 homers, 20 stolen bases, I'll take that from Wong. But I think he's got the the capability to do much more, including bring that 249 batting average up. But even that, I don't get, I don't hate that because we're in a different era. Yeah, I mean, for me, he's gonna he's gonna hit down the bottom. My only reservation, he's gonna hit down in the lineup. If you look at the rest of this lineup, I don't know how right now. Maybe they move it up and they move Holiday down. But you look at the way the lineup roster resource has Wong projected hit seventh. Mm-hmm. At least he's not hitting eighth there, and there there will be some running opportunities down there for him especially if they go one, two, three through the first uh, two innings and he's leading off the third inning as a chance for him to get on and run and that kind of thing. I, I don't want him hitting eighth. Hopefully he doesn't have to. They've got Jay slated there, which works out really nice uh, because the way Jay can take pitches because we know what the NL and the eight hitter, the kind of pitches they see. So that's a really nice spot for him. But I, I like the Wong pick. I just, I, I'm not terribly excited. I'm not buying where he's going only because where he's, where he's projected to hit in the lineup. I have my concerns there. That, that, that is a fair concern. Um, I can envision a scenario where he could get to the top, but it's, it, I mean, it would probably take some failure to be honest. So, so that, that part's fair, but that's why I could, t- I could take just a repeat of last year. He doesn't necessarily need to do a whole lot more because 1220 for the homers and, and stolen bases with some bonus, runs and and rbis because he would be playing more that will work for wong so uh but keep an eye on that situation because you don't want too many guys batting that low in a lineup even a good lineup like that i mean he's he's 103 and Mm -hmm. daniel murphy is 156 zobrist 155 daniel murphy criminally underrated i think i I like zobrist especially a shortstop but i do think wong will easily outpace him this year Oh, yeah, I agree with the outpacing part. The Daniel Murphy thing to me, again, criminally underrated. That guy, oh, you know, counted. In this day and age, the numbers this guy puts up, there shouldn't be that big of a gap between the two of them. No, and it, it continues to happen. I don't know what it is that people hate. I got, I got on that bandwagon last year. I, I jumped on with the folks, the, the few folks. There were tumbleweeds all over that bandwagon last year. But consider me team Daniel Murphy. But he'll go in my middle because I've already have Colton Wong as my second baseman. Okay, now let's talk pitchers. Who do you like on this club? Uh, I'm gonna take Lance Lynn. Okay, I love we talked Lance about Lynn. the new pitch. Uh, you know, if he can get that that 
that devastating changeup or the force, whatever he wanted to call it, gets that to play. We talked about the growth that Lance Lynn's made against lefties. He's gotten progressively better the last couple of years. That was always the knock on him. And he's 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 made those strides. He's walking fewer batters. His strikeouts are still there. If he gets that swing and miss pitch, he jumps that 200 strikeout plateau that he's yet to crack. I love Lance Lynn. Yeah, if, he's get, if he gets a swing and miss pitch and he can cut down on his walks too, all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who could earn the ERA we saw last year. And by that I mean that his, his in fielding independent numbers would be matching or closer to it because last year it was 274 with a 335 FIP. So that's a decent split. I could see him, like you said, the 200Ks, but also low ERA that he actually – builds up because he has like a four plus strikeout to walk ratio. So I love Lynn. Uh, the other guy I love on this club is Michael Waka. I think I've started to mention him a bit on the podcast. Hated his price last year. Top 20 mm-hmm. starter. Thought that was absurd. I'm not paying that based on what he'd done and, the, and and what he couldn't do yet, which was throw a breaker. He didn't have a breaking pitch. He had two good pitches, two great pitches, I should say. The fastball changeup combo. Those, that was great. But that's all it was. In a full season, I was like, ah, is that going to hold up? for the 20th pitcher. Well, he got hurt, so we really don't know. But I think I would have been looking stupid because he ended up coming in with two breaking balls, not just one. He brought a curve and a slider. Both look great. His usage patterns need to iron out a little bit. He was using them against the wrong hand sometimes, but I think if he gets it right, slider against righties, curveball against lefties with the fastball changeup, I think he can earn that top 20 value, and he's the 41st pitcher off the board. Yeah, I, I like him. You like him a little more than I do. But I thought last year he had too much helium in him. Now I think he's fairly valued right now with, yeah. with obviously the upside. Are we still buying in on Jason Hayward? Uh, I, I want to say no because, cl- I mean, clearly he hasn't been the same dude since getting popped in the face. I mean, this is a point that I made out at, at first pitch forums in Arizona. When you look at the numbers, uh, you know, how this guy was going before that, and I want to pull up the number. I think it's worth mentioning where where he was at pre and post getting popped in the face. And it, that's that's what's scary with this. When you look at so when you look at him, when you look at Hayward, uh, the numbers before he got hit in the face from the first moment he came up until he got popped in the face, he was batting 260 with a 794 OPS. Since he's got hit in the face, hitting 270. With a 740 OPS, the on-base percentage is identical, 352. So he has not lost the skill to get on base, but he is not hitting with power. His slugging percentage is down 60 points since since he got drilled in the face. And everything else you look across, it's the same. Right now, the problem is... He's uh, you know he's been hitting fly balls. They're just not going anywhere. They're not they're not they're not. I haven't looked at his fly ball distance, but his ground he's hitting fewer ground balls and more fly balls. But he has he's hitting with less power, which means those balls aren't going anywhere. And I thought maybe you know I thought let's look at something and see maybe it's stuff on the inner half. Maybe he's just worried about getting plucked on the inner half. But you know he's actually hitting better. He's actually hitting better uh, on the inner half now than he was before he got hit in the face. As far as batting average, the slugging is still the same, so that hasn't changed. He's too young to give up on. He's 25, but I'm I'm not stoked about him. And I don't know if you know, people again. He's hitting at the, the top of that uh, the second spot of that lineup, and I I'm not in on the Hayward bandwagon. Lost 20 feet off the batted ball uh, distance. He's 25th year. off the board right now 
He's 10 pick. These are the guys going behind him. Cole Calhoun, I'd rather have Calhoun. Jay Bruce, I'd rather bet, I'd bet on a bounce back from Jay Bruce. Uh, Trumbo, Holiday, and yeah. J.D. Martinez. J.D. Martinez is 40 picks behind Jason Hayward. This is a guy who his price is never low. It just doesn't. I mean, he always has at least one believer, and honestly, it's usually like five or six in a given league. In any given league, if you just went in, said, show of hands, who still believes in him? It's it's more than half often. And I get it. I, I want him to be great. I like him as a player, but I'm getting nervous at this point. Um, I know he's still only 25, so I'm not going to give up. It's but his it, contract year. If you're a big believer in that, and you shouldn't yeah, be, but shouldn't it's be his contract year. But you know, if I'm if I would have wanted to have him say in five leagues this year, um, you know, I play about 20 or so. If I want to have him five, based on how much I like him this year, it's cut down to I'd say two. I'm still going to have a couple of shares, but I, I'm I'm cutting back. I've got I've got to divest a little bit in uh, Jason Hayward. How many how many homers do you think Johnny Peralta is going to hit this year? He hit 21 last year, which I think really surprised folks. You know, the 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 deal was kind of made fun of. He got a four year deal. You know, he had the PEDs, so that, it, not only was it made fun of, but there was anger because a, a PED guy got paid. I didn't care, whatever. Uh, get get yours, buddy. And then goes out and hits 21 homers, 75 ribbies from the shortstop spot. Still going to be in that good lineup. You know, batting uh, six. That's not too bad. But how much? Uh, how many homers do you think we can get from the 33-year-old this year? Uh, he had a career-high 14% home run to fly ball ratio last year. It's only the second time he had been double digits in that category. So I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say he's going to be more back to that that 15, you know, that the 14 to 16 range uh-huh. we're accustomed to uh, with him. But I don't see a career-high home run to fly ball ratio coming back. Okay, that, that that is completely fair. Uh, the price that he's going at, thankfully, you don't need a repeat at all because it, it's just not really being bought into. He's the 11th shortstop off the board, but 100 pick 190. If there was even, you know, even the, with a small chance that he repeats the 21 homers, that's a great that's a great price in my opinion. I, I, I've got no problem with that price. You can get the uh, steady, reliable Eric Ibar, who does, you know, th- they're both kind of steady Eddies. Peralta's more for power. Ibar's more for like average and runs, you know. So I, I think that you can guarantee yourself some teens homers uh, with with an upshot at 20. And then the last question about this club is: uh, Does Carlos Martinez stick as a starter? I so desperately want him to, but I'm having a hard time finding a way that he he, you know, it's 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 one of those things where if you come into a season, a guy only needs one developmental step. You're like, here, here's this one thing that he could do. And if he does it, then he can be successful. With Martinez, it's like he's kind of got to do like three or four different things and still keep doing the other things that he did very well, you know, without altering those. I'm nervous. He's 23. And I think you and I made this point last year with him. I I want him. I don't want him rushed. I don't want him wasted in the bullpen. I think long-term, you have to make this guy a starting pitcher. And I think in the best interest of his long-term future, Martinez needs to go to the minors yes. and, and look at his off and, and get an off-speed pitch. He needs something to move the other direction. In case people aren't familiar with his splits, this is what they are. Against righties, holds him to a 245 batting average. An absurd 307 slug. That's absurd. His <laughs> his on base percentage at 314 is higher than his 307. He strikes out 29% of the righties he faces. Set walks 7%, and that's an absurd slugging average against against lefties. They hit 304 against them. They slug 445. He walks more than he strikes out. 
lefties. He is in desperate need of an off-speed pitch. You can't learn that at the major league level, going out there and doing that. Every team in their mind would just step, reverse stack their lineup, grab any lefty they could, and, and put it in that lineup. I want him in Memphis learning that pitch. I want him throwing a ton of change-ups in the springtime. I haven't seen any notes about it, but I would love to see him doing that. I would like to see him in Memphis. I would like to see Marco Gonzalez be the fifth starter for this team, a guy that you know has worked at the major league level. He himself is adding a cutter. Marco Gonzalez is weird because he's a reverse splits guy. He, yes. You know, he, he His change-up Look master. at the lefty. Yeah, but you look you look at the lefty numbers, you're like, oh wow, you know the, the batting average, but he actually strikes out more righties than he does the lefties. And, and I would like to see Marco Gonzalez be that fifth starter. He ha- obviously has a, a low ceiling. He doesn't have uh, it, the changeup's good, but he, he's a fourth he's a fourth starter at best. Yeah. Uh, with this, so I would like to see Gonzalez be that fifth guy and let Martinez go to the minors and and, and tell him, dude, you are going to throw 15 changeups to start. I don't care what you think you can do. This is what you're gonna do forget the stats this is a process you have to get through because those splits cannot live in a rotation no and i mentioned in the starting pitching guide that you know martinez is a case where you can actually learn something from watching him in spring training how does he attack lefties you know does he start to fade quickly in the third inning because uh you know he's only going to get maybe four innings anyway but if you start to see him fade early that's another issue that he's had, and obviously some of that could be with the fact that he's been relieving. It's a changeup used more frequently. So this is a guy, Carlos Martinez, you can actually learn something in spring training if you get a chance to watch his games. And if you have MLB Network, they're going to be showing a ton of games. And ESPN, you know, they show the big ones. Uh, when they, They'll probably, what, show 10 games maybe? They show all the big teams. So if the, if the St. Louis games that they show include Martinez, I'd sit down and take a look for sure. I mean, the thing is that... 344 career batting average against. It's because he throws everything hard. If you make contact, it's got a better shot of finding exactly. the hole. He needs to have the swing and miss. I mean, the swing and miss against righties is 33%. It's nearly half that against lefties, 17%, because it's hard or it's coming right in with the slider. They know what, where things are coming. I mean, it's begging begging, begging for a changeup. And this guy, he's got such a high ceiling with what he what he has now. Same points we've made for Nate Eovaldi, but I think Martinez has an even higher ceiling than Eovaldi. Uh, both of these guys have a chance to be breakout pitchers if they find that third pitch. Yep. Got, got, got to find, and got to find some consistency for Martinez with the, not only with the third pitch, but with the stuff that he does have his fastball and, and his slider. So I'll be keeping an eye on him, but I'm not sure that I'm diving in for mixed leagues just yet. All right, Jason, for the uh, next time around, we're going to start the position previews. We're just going to go deep diving into each position. Uh, which one do you want me to save for you for next week? Um, which one? I figured you guys will do catcher. This, let's get the yeah, you guys just say, go run the diamond. Just okay. go catcher first base, and I'll, uh, we'll pick up at second base. Okay, I was gonna say yeah, because we can mix it up if you want. I'm just I'm, I'm giving you first preference over over Eno here. It's this spe- special treat he'll never hear that we're we're never planning this against him. No one will never. ever tell him either. That means I'll get second base, and then I'll get the the outfield. But no, we, yeah, because you two really need to do the pitching. Yeah, so okay. you could do the rankings. He can talk all grips and you know, yeah, yeah. I love the nerdgasm. I, I, nerdgasm. That that could be a dope. You know, maybe we could get Doug on too. That that'd be crazy. Ooh. Remember when you and I did one with Doug, the pitching one, the the, the two parter. People lost <laughs> yeah, it was their. So, both episodes are about two hours long. <laughs> yes, people lost their minds. If you if you don't know, Doug and I. First off, Jason and I used to have a podcast. If you don't know, it was amazing. Obviously, uh, but Doug and I have a podcast. 
been dormant right now because we've been working on the starting pitching guy. But Doug and I can't have a podcast under two hours. It's never happened. Nope. It has never happened, and it probably never will. But that's going to wrap it up for this one. Coming in under an hour even. Got to get Jason to sleep because I'm keeping him up late. And I should probably sleep uh, after about 4,288 Red Bulls. It's, it's about that time. But, uh, Jason, we will talk in a week. We'll talk second baseman. Until then, let's hope that most guys stay healthy because uh, injury news is no fun. And uh, I will talk to you in a week. All right, buddy. Take talk care. To you then. Bye. So happy together.